So uh, we're in a series tonight called Church Clothes, and uh, I don't really get an opportunity to dress up often, uh, mainly because my dress code is not so crazy. So during the week, when I come in, I'm pretty much like I wear jeans, t-shirt, because I'm not only dressing up for Joey and Doug, so I'm not going to really wear anything too crazy. And so here at the church... um, the only time we usually dress up is for weddings, which is a great time to dress up, um, and also funerals, which is kind of not. So, so half the time I'm putting on a suit, I'm excited about it, and half the time I'm really upset. So it's kind of this awkward, but I love dressing up nonetheless. Um, I recently was talking about our dress code, because we do have one here at the church, and we just, our church just decides, hey, we're going to dress a little casual, um, nothing against the churches that kind of wear suits or whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, we decided, hey, you know what, it's just, we feel like it's easier to relate to people, so this is our angle in which we do it. But we were t- I was talking to one of our youth kids who uh, is, first of all, super, super talented, and he made it to be able to play with us here at Collision, and so we were talking, and, and he was wearing shorts, and so, you know, got to get all hard on a man. It's part of the dress code, you're not supposed to wear shorts, so I pull him aside, and hey, bro, I'm so sorry, my fault, I'm supposed to tell you not to wear shorts, and he looks back at me and goes, that is so weird. Like, why can't we wear shorts? And I'm starting to think to myself, like, yeah, you know, he's right. Like, why can't? And all of a sudden, I remembered. I remember the days of the comb over. I remember the days of the suits and the dress shoes and the thing in your pocket that I can't even say and it doesn't fit. And the, the tie, I can't even tie a tie. I stood in front of a mirror for an hour once yelling. Um, true story. Still struggle with this today. Um, and so I, I remember all this in a moment. I was looking at him and said, all right, look. Some people woke up today, because it was Sunday when I was talking to them, and they put on a suit, and you're able to wear jeans here. Like, what's the issue? Why are we fighting for this? And he's like, yeah, you're right. So, um, but, you know, we just kind of poke a little fun at our dress code here. Um, but recently, I heard a story of uh, my parents' pastor, actually. He was talking about uh, the, the time he decided, hey, I don't want to wear a suit anymore. I kind of want to switch over to casual clothes. So he goes ahead and does that. And that Monday, he got a whole bunch of emails. Gotta love the emails. The Monday emails, which we, I purposefully just shut everything off Monday. It's just safer that way. Um, But anyway, so he gets the Monday morning email of, hey, you don't look professional. And so, you know, that's kind of hard to get a critique like that. But anyway, so he gets this email saying, you do not look professional. And so um, it kind of draws the topic at hand tonight, it kind of starts to lead us to what we're talking about, and it's this, is that if we look at our world, we look at, you know, the media, we look at TV, we look at all these things, the world's what? So obsessed with the outward. We're obsessed with how we look, you look at magazines, it's like, you know, the comb over, the cool suit looking, you know, like Metropolitan, whatever, I don't know the names of the magazines, but let's just say that was one of them, um, <laughs> make me feel cool. So there's all of this, like, extra pressure, there's all this extra finesse and kind of bold, hey, this, it's all about the outward, it's all about how you look, and though that's great for the business world, like if you want to, you know, sell something on TV, you see a cool, suave person, and you're like, I need that, you know, that's good for marketing, but that mindset has found its way into the church, that this whole ability of let's worry about the outward, let's try to, you know, see how we look and, and kind of scrutinize the outward, and we forget about the heart. So the world's definition of success can somehow kind of get into our churches. And here is the problem. Here is why we're talking about this tonight, 
It's the area of church clothes. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really dressed up in a suit. Uh, What are you getting at here tonight, Andrew? Um, But I'm talking about the ability for us to kind of wake up every Sunday morning. We kind of go to our closet. We kind of take what we want off the rack. We kind of go ahead and put it on. All right. And we kind of come to church and we dress up. We put on a persona where we cover up our mistakes. We cover up our failures. And we try to be somebody that we're not. And so here tonight, we want to get to the bottom of why does that happen? So let me just hang this back up. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I don't wear a suit that much. But here, it's easy for us to kind of put on a persona to pretend to be someone we're not. Guaranteed, so many people this morning lied to one of their friends when they walked by and said, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. How are you? God bless. And there's all of this jargon. There's all of this finesse and all of this kind of Christianese is what we like to call it here that is spoken back and forth. And really what's going on in the hearts of people is they're struggling. They're upset that their, their, their family life is falling apart. And so here tonight, what we're talking about is, the, is to put on this persona to pretend, hey, I'm all right, I'm ready to go, when that may not be the true condition of your heart. I remember when I was little, um, I had a secret club. And uh, it was, I, did, you, did anyone ever have a secret club when they were little? Just you can feel free to raise your hand. Um, I did, it was called the Creepy Crawlers Club. Does anyone know what the Creepy Crawlers were? Okay, cool. Um, Basically, it was like an easy-bake oven for guys, and you could make bugs, <laughs> except you didn't eat them, so don't eat these anyway. So, yeah, so anyway, so we were part of this club. It was me and my cousin, and I think my little sister, which is pretty great, and I don't think she even remembers that, but she was part of it. And uh, so, you know, in every secret club, you have like a little list, and you have a little, I just remember we had like a whole like little folder, and we had all these pictures, and we had the, group, the list of group names. Um, when the parents came by, we slid it under the bed, like, what's good? You know, we're not doing anything secret here. And so it's just fun. Here, here's, the, here's the truth, though. Some of us, we've grown up, and we've carried that childish type of, hey, we're in a secret club, and we brought that kind of into our church experience, where it's like, hey, this is what a group member or a club member should look like. And we, we, we say, hey, uh, someone, they should look like this, they should talk like this, they, should, they shouldn't struggle with this, they shouldn't struggle with that. And we kind of create this this image and this persona in which someone should look like. And it's, it's kind of like when we forget the gospel, we forget how Jesus came and saved us and how no one is good in themselves and it's Christ who, who makes us right before God. We, we kind of forget that sometimes. And we can make it all about the outward, make it all about the tradition, make it all about, hey, this is what I did and this is what you didn't do. And here is the problem. The problem, I believe, at the, at the church at large, and maybe not so much here, is that the church at large, they believe that if, if they believe the legalist mentality, then basically what they will base their acceptance of God on their works. And if they base their acceptance of God on their works, they're going to base the acceptance of others based off of their works. And so here tonight, this is... A really big deal because as we look in the gospels, as we kind of flip through what's going on, we kind of see that that's not the experience that Jesus has. That when Jesus walks through a town, he's hanging out with the lowly, he's hanging out with the rich people, he's hanging out with every type of person and showing love. And so if there's, when there's this stress of 
outward appearance, it always leads to legalism. And so, okay, why are we talking about this? I heard a story recently um, from one of my friends. He said that his fiance's brother wanted to go to church. And so he knew a Christian in his job, and so he talked with this guy. And this guy's a genuinely nice guy. I, I think I met him before. And so for whatever reason, they went to this church. And before they went, this guy said, hey, look, listen, uh, just do me a favor. Just cover up your tattoos and, you know, just try to, like, you know, like, hang out with me and you'll be fine. And it made it sound like, you know, he was, like, going through uh, customs or something, like smuggling something. And, you know, um, and so for whatever reason, as the story ends, this, this kid's experience was just one of, I don't want to go back there. Experience of, he said, hey, I felt judged. I felt like I wasn't able to be myself. And to me, as a church leader, and to us here, hearing that story, that grieves us. And so here tonight, it's important that we kind of get this tension right, that, hey, if we focus on the outward, we try to put on our church clothes and pretend to be somewhere we're not, where we cover up our hurts, we cover up our, uh, our pains, and we, we kind of create this almost false image of, hey, this is what everyone should look like if you want to be a part. And we forget that it's Jesus who helps us. If we forget the gospel, then we create a place where people don't want to come to. See, what's at stake tonight is this, is that 3,500 people today decided, I'm done. They, they maybe went to church or they decided, I am done with the American church. In America, 3,500 people today walked away. 4,000 churches at the end of this year will close their doors for good. Could it be? That the legalism, the things that, that, that people kind of say or do, the media's view of Christianity that, that we can sometimes aid of judgment, of mean or whatever, could that be why our churches are driving people out? And see, when we forget the gospel, we forget love. I'm in a few weddings uh, in the last couple of years, and so... Uh, I love being, actually, I just came back from my friend's bachelor party. We were driving go-karts around, which was so much fun. Uh, they went 50 miles an hour. It's pretty sweet. Um, I, almost, I thought I was going to flip, but I, I didn't, so I feel like a NASCAR driver now, um, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So um, I love being a part of weddings. The one thing I do not love is the tuxedo rental. And here's why. They take my measurements as if it's going to mean something. So they, you know, and I'm the height of a girl, so I'm going to be honest, I'm... I'm big in heart, I'm just short in stature. So um, they, they, take, they take my measurements, and, and I always go there, I, I put it on, and I'm like, they're like, how do you like it? I go, I hate, I always just want to look at them and say, like, I hate it, you know, but I don't. Um, so I kind of get, get a little frustrated because you're paying like a couple hundred dollars to wear something that just doesn't fit. And I want to look fly, you know, um, <laughs> but I don't. I actually looked like I wore like an actual suit and then someone shot me with a shrink ray and I just shrunk down to a toddler wearing his dad's clothes. So, I don't know, I feel silly a lot of times. So I, would get, I, so I get frustrated, I get angry. I once heard a woman say, oh, he's an angry elf, you know. <laughs> I made that up, I made that up. Uh, it's, it feels great to get sympathy from a crowd of a whole bunch of people when you feel short. Um, but here's the thing, no one wants to pay money, no one wants to dress up in something they don't look good in because no one wants to wear a suit that doesn't fit. And so here's the thing, when you wear a suit that doesn't fit, everyone notices. Everyone looks at you and says, ooh, that guy looks silly. Like we notice on the hanger, it's just a little, you know, it's bothering some of you OCD people, so let me fix this. 
But we notice something looks a little bit off. And here's the truth here tonight, is that when people on the outside look at some of us, man, I wonder if they can smell the fake. They can say, you know what, something doesn't look right. Whether it's they, they, they kind of hold themselves to this standard or they betray the standard that almost seems impossible to reach. And then people get jaded and don't want to be a part. And so here tonight, it's crucial that we learn, okay, we need to take our church clothes off. We need to be able to get to a point where we can be able to be ourselves. And maybe, just maybe, it's because our culture so, trains us so much to worry about the outside that we've forgotten to deal with what's on the inside. And so if you're a new believer or you're someone who's new to Christianity and you wouldn't really say you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, we're, we're glad you're here. And here at this church, we are committed to getting this right. I believe tonight that, that I was just telling our team before, I said, hey, thank you guys for creating a church where this doesn't happen. Um, but we just want to, you know, like a beautiful garden, we want to just kind of spray it for weeds. And so tonight we just, I feel led to kind of talk about this topic because as a church as a whole, we see this in the media, we see this all around. So we want to just welcome you here tonight. And maybe you've had a bad waitress or you've had a, a bad doctor experience. And here's the thing, in the real world, we don't, when that, when that happens, we don't give up. We don't stop going to the restaurants. We don't stop going to doctors. And here tonight, maybe you've encountered maybe a few Christian churches or a few Christians in general. But tonight, I just want to encourage you, if you had a bad experience, just to push through that, that there's a Jesus that loves you and there's a group of people that are committed to getting this right. And I pray tonight that that could be us. And I pray tonight you feel welcome. And so tonight, we're going to be able to talk about this um, this, this tension as we go into it. And so if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. If not, it will be up on the screens. And right now what we're going to experience is Jesus is at a uh, dinner party for the Pharisees. And this is important because these people are the guys that you want to impress. And so Jesus' encountering with them is going to teach us a lot how we can be able to balance this out tonight. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. So the Pharisee, his name is Simon, we'll find out later, wanted Jesus. He was saying, please come and eat with us. And so Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So he's hanging out with these guys, enjoying his time there. And verse 37, and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Okay, so this is like a big deal because at a dinner party like this, like it was like open to spectators. It was like if Obama and all his friends, whatever, were hanging out and like, yeah, you can watch if you want, but you never should approach. Like that's what it would be like in this situation. But this woman walks onto the premises she walks through the house. She walks up to the dinner table where they're eating and she enters the room. And suddenly, you ever be in a room when suddenly something gets super awkward and everyone's quiet? I'd imagine that's exactly what happened here. Is because this, as the, as the word says, it was a woman of the city, which meant she was a prostitute. And she was considered in that time and that culture was a very low reputation. And there was no way that she would ever be welcomed in that atmosphere. And so Jesus, I'm sorry, so the Pharisees were waiting for Jesus to dismiss her. For Jesus to kind of stand up and be like, oh, what are you doing here? Get out. You're not welcome here. And so if anyone in that room was perfect, 
it was Jesus. If anyone had that authority to do so, it would have been him. And so let's see what happens in the next part. And so she brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. So read a few commentaries about this. It was basically saying that this woman encountered Jesus beforehand. And that whether he was pre- in his preaching or healing, we don't necessarily know, but this woman kind of knew who Jesus was. And she comes in and she's crying. And, and back then it seems a little weird. It's kind of like, all right, she's washing his feet or she's trying to eat. But back in that culture, you're walking around a lot. You're, you're stepping in a lot of different things. And that was the main um, transportation. That, that People would walk in and, and there was no cars. There was not many paved roads. So your feet would get gross. And so... It was culturally a thing to do that, hey, when you come over, hey, do you want some water is what we would say. But back then what they would do is they would wash feet. And so Jesus' feet was still dirty. And so that's just a good thing to know is that, that the house that he was in, they didn't welcome him, him, him in that way. And so this woman comes and she starts to weeping, which means she's sorry, which means she's repentive. And she's trying to express her gratitude towards Jesus. And so that shows us tonight that she is, wants repentance. She wants to be close with him. And so here the, the Pharisees are, are kind of weirded out by this though. Because she came as she was. She didn't try to disguise herself. She didn't try to look religious. She didn't try to like start using the same words they used. And she didn't care what people thought. Now this story or this experience that is recorded in Luke is extremely rare because when it comes to you, when it comes to me, when we, wanna ha- when we feel like we have to walk into a place where we're not welcome, typically we don't want to go. Typically we don't do awkward. We don't like awkward. And so maybe, just maybe, that's why we feel like we need to put on a suit, put on an appearance. When, when people walk by in the lobby, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm great. Things are great right now but yet inside we're hurting because our world stresses, hey, you gotta be tough. We were listening to Johnny Cash on the way up to uh, Pennsylvania where we were or wherever and um, we were listening to a song, A Boy Named Sue and, and that song is just like, the, and at the end of the song, the guy tells his son, I named you that so you'd be tough because if you're not tough, you won't make in this world. So these are the messages that we get, that we need to be tough, that we need to push through. But could it be the judgment that we may experience sometimes in church? Could it be we've forgotten the gospel? And see, maybe that's why we put on these clothes. Maybe that's why we're like, hey, brother, how are you? I'm great, okay. And see, here's a beautiful thing is that this woman, she, she didn't change her clothes. She, she was clearly wearing the same clothes she always wore. And so though she was different and though she wanted change in her life, she was, people looked at her and said, oh, we know who you are. But she went right to Jesus, and what happened is Jesus accepted her. And so here tonight, if if you feel like maybe you feel it's scary being in church, and tonight, if Jesus accepts you, then so do we. And tonight, maybe if if you tend to be the person who could be a little bit more legalistic or a little bit more tough, and maybe you need to think a little more like Jesus thought. 
And so the truth is we don't have to hide here tonight. Let's see what happens next. And so in verse 39, now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Awkward. What kind of language is that? What sort of person? She is a sinner? Like this guy, you would just, if you would just, if you would just hit him, people wouldn't blame you, you know? I'm not saying we should, but here we see the typical theme that Pharisees show contempt for those who are sinners. And see, people who feel that way feel like they earn their position. And so if, if I feel like I earn my position, then I feel like I have the right to, to put myself in a different category. And see, here we see something awkward because we see Simon, he says, well, pfft, this, this Jesus is showing compassion to this girl, so therefore he must not be who he says he is. And so when we're focused on the outward, when we're focused on being kind of legalistic and like, hey, this is what you need to look like to be part of our club, we miss out on compassion. And if Jesus was sitting at the same table that we were sitting at, maybe we wouldn't even recognize him. And that is a result of when we focus on the outward. And so I just want to ask a few questions here tonight. Does your action in life or your, your actions, the way you love people, the way you talk with people, whether they are good-willed or not, do they push people away? Are you that guy in your job or in your school that takes the Bible and shoves it in people's faces and doesn't care where they're at, doesn't ask them? Because that leads to the problem. We could almost find ourselves putting ourselves in a different category when in fact we're in the same one. And so here's a problem. When you're sitting with Jesus and you think something, Jesus hears it and he responds. And here in verse 40, we see what happens. And Jesus answered him. He didn't even say it. He didn't even ask a question. Simon, I have something to say to you. And, he, and so Simon replies, say it, teacher. Jesus continues, a money lender who had two debitors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Verse 44, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. And for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. So Simon was dismissing this woman as a sinner when he was guilty of the same thing. He failed to see and remember that he's in need of forgiveness too. 
So my question is, as a church as a whole, not so much us, but if you have to bring this to your own heart, do it tonight. Are we overflowing with our own self-righteousness that we've lost our ability to show compassion? Because when I hear stories of people who come to churches and don't feel welcome, and then I see Jesus and how he loved people, I just don't, something just doesn't add up. And here Jesus points out something amazing. See, some of us in this room, if Jesus were to weigh the debts we had, man, we, we, would, we would have some debts. Because everyone in here, we all owe a debt to God. Some of our debts are more than others, but nonetheless, it, the common denominator is we all have a debt where God demands perfection. We can't meet that. And the glorious gospel is that God sent Christ to die on our behalf so that we could be free, paying my debt, paying your debt. And tonight we're free. But we didn't do this ourselves. We didn't earn this ourselves. This was a gift given to us. So who are we to judge those who aren't in the same spot as us or, or those who are different than us? Because maybe we have some learning to do ourselves. And so Jesus continues this sentence and he, and he just, he looks at the girl and says, hey, your sins have been forgiven. The people kind of grumble about that because they're, you know, they're unable to see who Jesus is. And then he leaves her with this. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And why is this possible? Why can he just let this girl off the hook who's lived a completely sinful life and this guy Simon is only guilty of not, you know, caring about Jesus here. That's the only thing we can tag on him right now. And well, how can he let this girl go when this guy who is just so good and everything's right, right? How can that happen? It's because Jesus knew that he was gonna go to a cross and he was gonna pay a price for the sin that she committed, setting her free, setting me free, setting you free from everything that we've done. And this is not so that we can run around and continue to live how we want and go crazy and just kind of defy God. That's not the point. The point is freedom here tonight. That our God saw that we couldn't do anything ourselves, that we had a debt we couldn't pay, and he forgave that debt. And that's the gospel. He took the cross and gave you and I, not church clothes, not clothes to boss people around, but he gave us new clothes, clothes of redemption, his righteousness. And here's tonight what I want to get at, is that the one person that could have crushed this woman, the one person that could have judged her, one person who could have put on his, his suit and said, hey, you know what? You're wrong. I'm right. I'm perfect. You're not. Was Jesus. But he didn't. He showed love. He showed care. He took time to, to invest in this woman's life, talk with her, and send her peacefully away. And so here's what I want us to get here tonight, that Jesus didn't wear church clothes so neither should we. Jesus didn't wear church clothes, so neither should we. And so what do we do here tonight? It's important that we remember the gospel. We, our, our mission statement is that we wanna be a church that's, that helps people center their lives around Jesus. That's what we wanna do. 
because we realize that remembering the gospel is crucial for every single area of life. When we stray away from that and we kind of do life on our own and we say this is how everything needs to look and needs to look cookie cutter, man, we become these hardened, unloving people who forget compassion. But when we focus on the glorious gospel and we, rem- we see a savior that, that was, his flesh was ripped from his body, paying for my sin, paying for yours, at that point, we have nothing to brag about. The only thing that we have is to be able to, to share this love with others. Say, hey, you can be free too. We've seen God do tremendous things. And so tonight, in, in response to this, we just need to remember the gospel. Number two is to be encouraging. It's to encourage one another. You know, tonight it's not about, hey, let's just all hold hands and only talk positive things. Like, so that, that's not what tonight's about. Sometimes encouraging someone requires that we have to say something hard to them. But we say it in love. Hey, brother, come here. I notice this about your life, and I know I struggle with this too, and I care about you, so I want to help you through this. Not judge you, not make you feel horrible, but I'm gonna, I see what you're doing. I want to help you through this. I want to hold you accountable. See, if someone comes up to you and says, I care about you, I love you, this is how I see it, I think you'll be a lot more willing to listen than, hey, what are you doing, bro? You know, and it's someone you have no relationship with. So tonight, Jesus didn't wear church clothes, so neither should we. And so I think back to the Creepy Crawler Club, and I can't even tell you what my own stipulations were for membership. I can't. I forgot. I was a little kid. And see, tonight, I think some of us need to kind of take up that mindset and realize, hey, I'm going to forget to you. I'm going to forget this, this, this perfection standard that, we, that, we, that is impossible to reach. And I'm just going to be real. I'm going to accept those who are different than me and help them see that, that Christ is amazing. Because when that woman came to Christ, everything was different. The problem is sometimes we shut the door. We don't let these people who need to know God come to know God. And so tonight, be that change. Be that difference. And it all starts with just remembering, hey, Jesus didn't wear church clothes and neither should we. In one of our meetings um, that we had as a, as a, as a full team, uh, we, were just, we always have a time of sharing and I just want to impart this last story and then we'll close. Um, one of our, our, our team members kind of raised his hand and said, hey, you know, I love this place. And, you know, we're, it was just a time of encouragement. And he said, look, he's like, I used to be an atheist. I didn't believe in God. And you know, the evidence, and that's why tonight we believe in helping uh, give you guys the tools and the resources. That's why we have the evidence series set and, and all that stuff is good. And we, there's great books out there if you're you know, still searching and trying to figure it out. But um, he, he said, hey, all that stuff is great. But what really persuaded me that God was there was seeing the ridiculous, amazing life change in the people around me. Seeing people be like one way and then completely another and grow and become these people that are completely different in an amazing way. He's like, that's what persuaded me that God was real. And here's the amazing opportunity that you and I have, is that we can show people who God is, and when they encounter God, everything can change, and their lives can change too. And so it's powerful how we love each other. It's powerful how we care about one another. So tonight, as we close... Let's encourage one another. If you're new and you're just trying to figure this out, hey, you're welcome to ask questions. You're welcome to be loved. You're welcome to to fail and make mistakes because here's a secret. Christians aren't perfect at all. It's actually 
actually worse than you think. Like bad. And so tonight, man, this is a place of love. This is a place. I know it's kind of a weird message if you're, if you're it's kind of like, you know, when you go to your friend's house and uh, the parents start yelling at your friend, you're kind of standing there. Like if you, if that, like that's kind of what tonight is. I feel that tension and I'm sorry, but it's okay because I'm awkward and so we all can be together. Um, and that's basically what it comes down to here tonight is that, hey, none of us are perfect. No one's better than anybody. This is a place where we can all come to know Jesus together. And so guys, just remember tonight, Jesus didn't wear church clothes and neither should we. Let's just pray tonight. God, we just thank you for your great love that brings us all here in this place. And so God, as we kind of talked about some strange things that are happening in the church, as we kind of talked about some weird things that um, we just invite you to bring your, your presence into those things. God, we invite you to work in our attitudes and our hearts, Lord, that this would be a place where we can all grow together. A place where the lost and the saved and, the, and the, the, those who know you and those who don't, God, can come and find you. So God, help us in our own hearts, God, to not make it about our works, to not make it about what we can do or not do, but help us to make it about what you did on that cross when you died and you rose again and you paid for us. So tonight, God, we just invite you, God, to be the difference in our hearts, be the difference in this place, in this church. I pray, God, for those who are on the fence, feel like, ooh, what is this place? I don't know what to do. God, I pray that they would know that they're welcome and loved. God, I just thank you that, that as people, we need you, regardless of where we find ourselves in the equation of believing, God, that we need you. And so tonight, God, as we have an opportunity to worship you, as we close this night, we just invite you, God, just to do something real in our hearts, God. If we're legalistic here tonight, show us the error of our ways. God, show us how we can be more loving. Show us how we can serve those around us and take the time to not be pushy. And God, I know the reason why we're pushy is because we're excited about what you've done in our lives, but God, show us a new way. And for those of us who feel like we can't measure up, those of us who feel like, man, I'm not good enough, God, I, we thank you for your grace. And I pray, God, that they would ride that grace all the way to the table where you're at. God, that they would know you tonight. And so tonight, we just pray for this balancing out. Tonight, God, we invite you, Lord, to help us to remember the gospel, remember your love, and that it would change us here forever, God. So we thank you and we pray this in your precious and your holy name. Amen.